Hey, what's up? So, Avalanche. Let's talk about it. What's, what's an Avalanche? The snow comes down real fast, fierce, gains momentum. But I'm not talking about the natural disaster. Or if it's not really a disaster, I guess, if no one's around. But anyways, Avalanche, what is it? You've heard about it. Now you're going to hear some more. It's an open source platform for launching decentralized finance applications, right? DeFi. That's what you want. Developers who build on Avalanche can easily create powerful, reliable, secure applications and custom blockchain networks with complex rule sets or build an existing private or public subnet, right? I think what you should do right now is stop what you're doing, even if it's listening to this podcast. Stop, pull over, go to the gas station if you need to, go to a subway. There's a subway like everywhere. There's always a subway, all right? All right? There's always a Kroger. Just stop in a parking lot somewhere. Go to avalabs.org to learn more, all right? Stop, go to avalabs, that's A-V-A labs, L-A-B-S dot org. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin Podcast. The only one that's making your money is you. Listen to the Bitcoin Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Podcast. I don't even know what intro song we use anymore. Oh yeah, I do. It's the Bitcoin Podcast. It's like sounds like the Bee Gees. it up. It sounds like the Bee Gees. But anyways, <laughs> I'm the host that talks first. D. And I'm the host that talks third, Jesse. No, That's yeah. right. Corey is uh, at the beach on vacation. Uh, so we're skipping the host to talk second for this weekend, where it's just Jesse and I. And Jesse, this is your first, like, yeah, so, so for those of you who aren't down with the get down, um, the Bitcoin podcast's new third host is none other than Jesse the man broke himself. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he's so excited. I can tell he's so excited to be a part of history because that's how we do it, baby. Oh, yeah. So, Jesse, welcome back, man. Thanks, dude. Well, this is the Bitcoin podcast, but it's really hard to talk about Bitcoin lately. Crypto, <laughs> because Bitcoin doesn't do anything. It just stays... It's like Bitcoin is exactly what it's supposed to have been. And that's okay. Just nothing cool is happening. What about your stock to flow stuff? Oh, the price? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The price is going bananas. I mean, I guess that's cool for most people. Like, yeah, you know, Bitcoin's following the stock to flow uh, model pretty closely. And that's something that I'd ever really like used. Um, but it, it's so accurate that most recently, I mean, in like the past 18 months, I've really started to pay attention to it. And it just seems like history is about to repeat itself. And it seems like every time, like six months after the happening, Bitcoin starts to just do go bananas, you know? Yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you think? You think that's happening again? Does it feel like it's happening? I don't know. Let me ask you this. Ask do you me. really think Bitcoin is going to go to 100,000 in like the next less than 12 months? <laughs> I think in the next less than 18 months. Okay. So yes. Do you think do you think ETH is gonna follow or is it gonna like remember like last time every time Bitcoin runs away with dominance, everything else goes down. No, it, like, I think ETH is gonna everything. start to uh ETH is gonna start to detach because ETH has got this whole DeFi thing going on right now, which I don't think I'm scared to learn anymore. I've been reading a lot about it this weekend, and I think I'm ready to dip my nuts in it, you know what I'm saying? Okay, which one are you going to jump into? Oof, I don't know. They all look so good. So Wireurn looks pretty tasty. Uh, this There's this Wi-Fi thing, which looks interesting. But I'm ready to be a yield farming bro, man. I feel like it looks like it, if you just play it right, if you dip your nuts and you don't dive into the straight... Is that, am I saying that right? I thought it was dip your toes. It is. It is dip your toes. It is. Oops. Well, if you dip your toes what, in what it, what do you expect to get? I think I think yield farming, like they they expect, like what is it, like five percent a month or something? Yeah, it's fucking bananas. That's sixty percent a year, right? Yeah. Oof. Yes, five percent a month gives you sixty percent a year. Gives you gains on gains on gains. It seems too good to be true because it probably is. If it implodes, I yeah. hope it doesn't ruin everything. But it doesn't hurt to get your nuts wet. I mean, your toes wet. So, I mean, I'm thinking of giving it a shot. I was looking at the one tutorial over the weekend. It's, it's like you put all your Bitcoin and you put it in there. And then you're basically. <laughs> what's yeah, up? Then you crank the knob, you hit the go button. And yeah, you crank the knob, flip the switch. <laughs> you know, flip the switch. Make sure you turn on the, uh, put the link together. You got to make sure it's linked together. And then you, and then you press go and boom, money. And that's how it goes. No, no, no. Um. It's almost as if you are buying tokens of automated trading bots and you give the bots money and the money and then the returns go straight back into your your bank account or not your bank account, your ETH address. And that's the way it works in my head. And to me, it's like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't seem too um no, it doesn't seem too bad, actually, because you know, I've used automated trading bots in the past, and that's kind of what it was like. This is just like automated trade. This is an extra layer of automation. This is, as Elon Musk would say, layer two. Level two automation. Why are you laughing? You ever see the South Park like GIF? It's like, and it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. Yeah, yeah I've seen exactly. that. Exactly. Like, Hey, yeah. I'm just going to take your money in, deposit it here into international money market, and it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> That's why I'm saying you got to dip your nuts. 
Because if you doubt, if you go in that deep and you lose all your crypto, don't come over here at D talking about some, hey, D told me to go lose all my shit. Nah, player. That's not what D said. D said, dip your nuts. But you know, you know, it's like you have to pay for gas fees. You got to pay gas for gas. Gas fees are like $150 or something just to like hit go on the contract. Just to do God some swap. Lee. That's a lot of money. You'll probably have to drop a few thousand dollars to make it worth it. Wow, ETH's gotten like that now? So can you even use ETH for any of the computation stuff, or is it just running DeFi no, shit? I, I don't really think it's very usable, to be honest. They wrap those coins, those tokens that you exchange for when you do your DeFi shit. Pretty sure they start wrapping them. They do. And they don't even use Ethereum, right? They start doing the arbitrage... Uh, trading on like different chains that are Ethereum, but then the tokens are wrapped to be equivalent to like Ethereum tokens or some shit. Mm. Yeah. It's getting crazy out there. It's getting crazy yeah. out there, Jesse. <laughs> they, they're wrapping I, everything. I remember back in the tokens. good old. Yeah, we out here wrapping everything. Yeah. It's, well, it have is you wrapped anything? Look into it. Yeah. Have you wrapped anything? Uh, I don't think. No, I unwrap stuff. Hmm. So, so, so back, so back in the thing, let's talk about something pertinent. So, you know, we're going to totally flip the script here, but uh, a visa executive, man, a visa executive is on the record. Like, re- it's crazy to me that this stuff is happening, but on the record, basically saying like, yeah, the feds, don't know what they're doing, and now would be the time to buy uh, uncorrelated assets like Bitcoin. That's a Visa executive saying that, and that could mean anything because, like, executive is such a broad brush. But that's crazy to me. I don't know. What were you about to say? Some article. I saw some article about them considering ETH to be the replacement for SWIFT. Yeah, but do they know you can't use ETH? Do they know that? Yet? That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do they know ETH is clogged like a motherfucker? Uh, they don't. They're probably just like sh- just shooting from the hip, baby. They probably walk in like, oh yeah, we're gonna use ETH shit. Let's go <laughs> get some headlines. And then by the time it gets to the people actually trying to use ETH, it's like, wait, wait, wait. So it can't be used? Like, not yet. Not uh, <laughs> kind of. Like, you know, that's, that's that's the greatest, like, I don't know. When, whenever I talk to someone who, who is, you know, kind of bright and sharp and they they do dive into crypto, then they cl- cl- quickly find out, like, after a month, they're like, well, well, wait, this is, like, really expensive. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's kind of expensive. And they're like, no, it's just actually expensive, really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, it wasn't supposed to be. It's just, you know, that's crazy, right? Isn't it crazy how successful it is? And they're like, no, it's just you can't really use it or stuff. So you know, you know, on the status app, I tried to uh see if I could snag a, a domain name, like a subdomain name. Mm-hmm. And uh the gas fees are like fifteen dollars or like seventeen dollars. And I'm like, the fuck? Like the gas fees. Yeah. Like the the actual cost is only like, I don't know, five or seven dollars in status tokens, but then the gas fees are like sixteen, seventeen. It's like, wow. It's crazy. Yeah, the stuff works great when no one's using it. 
Yeah. That should be a t-shirt. Crypto works great when no one uses it. (laughs) Works great in theory. (laughs) Yeah. No, it doesn't even work great in theory. Like you try to tell the theory to people and they're like, what? What? (laughs) It does a virtual computer? What? Isn't everything in a computer already virtual? What? (laughs) See, like now see the solution, it seems like people are going into is like having individual I don't know. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many different solutions, but centralizing the the validation portion like the processing and just being like all right everybody who wanted to be decentralized like sorry you can't actually because like when you guys start communicating back and forth that's what contributes to the network lag Mm -hmm. so so if you pay if you buy our token you can use our centralized ec2 servers for the most part yeah and then we'll wrap an individual version of ethereum you make your own blockchain and uh yeah it's all good (laughs) Zim Zim Alakazam Crypto baby Coming at you Nah I don't know This is Honestly yeah I don't know It's it's, Yeah it's, it's, At this point Like Now I'm starting to side With old Dr. Petty I hate it when he's right And I'm wrong I love it when I'm right And he's wrong It's my favorite But when he's right And I'm wrong It's my I hate it And he's like It's too early to tell What any of this Is gonna look like and I was like, fuck you, Corey. Everyone knows, fucking everyone knows exactly what this is going to look like, baby. And he's like, no, it's too way too early. Like, it's only 10 years in the game. Like, Bitcoin only works never. And, you yeah. know, Ethereum only works every now and again. It's way too early. And yeah. I think we're he's absolutely right. Like, it's there's no looking at DeFi and what's going on with DeFi and then, like, looking at now how ethereum is clogged and now ethereum is following like the same growth trajectory as bitcoin and now there's ethereum 2.0 which is coming with kind of and you need 32 eth just to have some nuts in the game and then it's just it's all kinds of what the hell's going on but i don't know i guess it's gonna work out for the better you know? How how is it not going to be like some sort of POS version of like Dash or some like Monero? I don't know. I really don't know. Do you think that like okay? Do you think there's ever going to be a point in time where you go to like the gas station for a bag of flaming hot Cheetos and you will pay with some sort of cryptocurrency? Or will it be a fiat running on crypto shit? I think Chinese will get that first. And Japanese already, I think, have that. No. Yeah. We won't be there. We'll still be using paper money or, you know, our credit cards and shit. But they'll be there. Mm. So sad. Yeah. Mm. I watched this movie this weekend called Project Power on Netflix. I saw that. I saw that. It was very average. It was very average. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> That's how all Netflix movies are. I've noticed the Netflix like recipe for success, which is really starting to piss me off, is they hook yeah. you in like the first 15 minutes. And then the yeah. rest of the movie sucks ass. The, re- the <laughs> Like the whole hour and 45 minutes you're sitting there, you're like, all right, all right. Here we go. It's about to get. It's about to get good. Here, 
Oh no, that just was kind of boring. And then what like you think the, about old guard. Same exact shit. Like the first oh, 15 damn. minutes I was locked in. And then yeah, like yeah. after that I was like, all right, here we here we go. Here we go. Oh. I was gonna it's about to, here's the yeah, oh. Oh, that's very that left a lot on the table. It's like every single one of them. That movie was Ryan Reynolds called like six uh six agents or whatever. Six, yeah. six, number six or whatever. The first yeah. 15 minutes, I was like, oh my God, so much action. This is exactly what I want in my life. And then the rest of the movie is just like, meh. The budget starts running out. They used it all in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> it's almost like they only have 15 minutes to prove to Netflix they can make a movie. And then Netflix is like, all right, here's a giant pile of cash. And they're like, oh shit. Well, now we got to pay all of our bills from all the invoices from that first 15 minutes of movie. Oh. That's shit. Okay. We only have enough cash to make about an hour, 15 minutes of blend. So, and like 80% of it's going to Charlize Theron. So we really got to figure this shit out. <laughs> Anyways, that has nothing to do with crypto at all. Um, I just thought I would shit on Netflix movies for a second because they're so bad. They're so bad. Um, okay. What about Neuralink? Neuralink connecting to crypto. Oh. Oh, your hardware wallet in your head. Now <laughs> that is really, um would you do that? No, hell no. Why? <laughs> so we can just stir fry your brains and just hack into the, your phone and then just fuck with your neural leg. Stir fry your brains? No. You Elon Musk said it was a Fitbit for your brain. Yeah, but like if if the electrodes, right, can stimulate stimulate your brain right yeah i'm pretty sure that they can crank out more than stimulation voltage bro (laughs) i'm gonna go to sleep and put a charger cable on my head that is gonna be my life bro that is gonna be my life (laughs) oh my god this shit this dude has people putting charger cables on their head yeah it's pretty nuts he says it works just like an Apple Watch. The the yeah. magnet just sticks to the little probe that's on your head. Can you ima- like can you see that world? Like look 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 at yourself right now. I'm fast forward o'clock, ten years from now, in bed, just smashed, kiss my wife. She's like, That was great. And I'm like, eh, I could have done better. And then I roll over and I take a charger cable and I put it on the top of my fucking head and then I go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that would be oh, man. terrible. The year is 2030. Maybe you it. get a pillow, right? You get a pillow, oh. and then there's like a little circle, and you got to line your head up with the pillow. But you know, because you move at night, you never get a full. <laughs> so you're gonna have to wear those helmets that toddlers with soft heads wear. You're gonna have to yeah. wear those things. That would suck. That would suck. Oh my god. But you know what? I am excited that if I get one for my dog, we can avatar it up. You know what I'm saying? Like get two fucking charger cables with a little bit of data going on. And I'll put one on the top of my head and put one on the top of his head and figure out what's going on in that fucking doggy brain of his. Now that. We find out, yeah. We find out animals have been geniuses this entire time. He finds a way to like make you his bitch. Like, <laughs> like in Rick and Morty. Is that like like Rick and Morty. <laughs> Yeah. Oh god! Like finally, we can speak. 
<laughs> it hasn't been just about food and walks, bitch. <laughs> Welcome to my world. All right. I'm sorry, guys. This show has gone off the rails. Um, okay. So, so Bitcoin. Bitcoin is reigning supreme. There's a lot going on in crypto that you need to know about. There's a thing called Uniswap, was like a decentralized exchange, which is pretty dope. You can go on and get any tokens you want. Um, I'm about to I'm about to test that shit out soon. Um, Uniswap is actually doing more volume for the first time it did a day's more volume than Coinbase did, which is awesome. But Coinbase is still kind of a baby when it comes to exchanges, to tell you the truth. Coinbase doesn't do as much volume as like Bitfinex and Bitstamp and all those other things. But Coinbase is pretty dope. Um, what else is going on in crypto? Um, Bitcoin may or may not get an upgrade. Uh, it's been working on this. Um, what is it called? Schnorr signatures for a long time. And the Schnorr berries taste like Schnorr berries. And, then, and so basically what Schnorr signatures allows is a little bit more privacy and a little bit more throughput. Um, but other than that, Bitcoin is kind of like it's doing its thing. Um yeah, I don't know. Crypto is kind of turning into, uh, you know, it's it's kind of cool because it shows the success of cryptocurrency, but it's kind of not cool because it's 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 hard to 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 follow. And, and what I mean by this is like it's just this. Um, it's in the zeitgeist. You know what I mean? It's you can go to some people like our age and say like, oh, I trade cryptocurrency, and people would be like, oh, okay, you're a cryptocurrency trader guy huh and it's not like they wouldn't just be like what the fuck are you talking about they would be like oh so you're like uh that bitcoin shit huh that's your that's what gets you going right yeah and you're like i mean it's not that creepy you make it sound really creepy when you respond like that but yes i do like cryptocurrency you know what i'm saying yeah i i, I actually don't tell people i do crypto stuff you don't give it a try no no, 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 no. Why? <laughs> you don't want any of that? You don't want to? No, I don't want none of that. Okay. I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, okay. So you were like, uh, you do yeah, that. Yeah, Bitcoin. They get so creepy. They're like, ah, Bitcoin, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why you got. What? Like, anyways. Yeah. That's gonna be the voice I use for everything now. When I go to the grocery store, yeah, give me one of those, uh, give me one of those rotisserie chickens, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I I kind of lost track. <laughs> We're gonna cut to the interview. So this week's interview was uh, with a young man um, who I had also who I feel really bad now, Mr. Crane. I interviewed you in person in Prague. And didn't realize that I knew who you were until three days after I interviewed you on this Google Meet. And we had actually had like a beer, I think, and conversation in Prague. And I'm glad that your company is doing a lot more successful than it was when we were in Prague. But your face when we started the interview was like, oh, here's D. What's up, D? And then I was just like, I don't know you, man. What's up? How's it going? (laughs) So it was one of those awkward introductions where he was like, I think he remembered me and I didn't remember him. And that's always awkward. You know what I mean? So, but that's a a good segue into this interview, baby. Uh, Here goes the interview with Super Rare uh, with John Crane, the founder of Super Rare. And uh, they sell um, art, digital art. Here it is. 
All right, so hold up. They don't sell digital art. They're a marketplace for digital art where you can sell your digital art. I just want to get that get that straight. So here it is. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another one of the Bitcoin podcasts interviews. And and this is the, the, these are the kind of interviews I like, you know. Um just getting real into the culture, the crypto culture, which is a moving target at this point. Uh, but just kind of, I like these interviews. I call them like they're a lot more human interviews than some of like the you know, super duper big company on here trying to talk about their latest and greatest like uh, new tech kind of, I don't know. I just I just like so like art. We've had a few artists on the show, and I understand your work was super rare. But you know what? I'll let you introduce yourself because you're probably gonna do much better. I, so so John Crane, welcome to the show. Gee, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, what's up, everybody? My how, name's John. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. let's just acquaint yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, how'd you fall into crypto? What were you doing before crypto, and 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 how did that cross paths with either Bitcoin or Ethereum or blockchain? There's so many different avenues people get on ramped with these days and age. But yeah, just who is John Crane? Sure. Um, yeah, I love hearing a good how did how did people find crypto story. So mine started in I was actually in an econ class in 2008, so the fall of 2008 had no interest in econ. I thought it was going to be a boring, uh, you know, required general ed class. And actually had our professor come in one day. He was holding the Wall Street Journal and he threw it down on the table and he was looked very upset. He's usually you know, a pretty happy guy. He's like, I think we just need to murder these bankers. And I was like, wow, that is not how class usually starts. So, um, <laughs> and... You know, it kind of piqued my interest. The you know everything was falling apart, and I was kind of curious. Like, had never been interested in finance, but you know it seemed important, and it was you know falling down all around us. And so that kind of kicked off a rabbit hole. I got interested in you know Austrian economics and things like that, and then ultimately uh, that ended up at Bitcoin. So I was living in New York, found the Bitcoin uh, meetup, and. Yeah, just loved loved what people were working on, kind of the energy. Thought it was super interesting. Loved the idea of, you know, secure kind of math-based currencies. And yeah, from there, I was just, I was in it. I was hooked. And so got really excited when I saw what was happening with Ethereum. And I worked with uh, Consensus out in Bushwick uh, for a couple of years. And then... You know, wanted to go off on another adventure. And, you know, one of my other passions, in addition to crypto, uh, was digital art. And so I saw, you know, kind of what was happening with NFTs and saw the opportunity to kind of merge those two passions. And that was kind of the origin of Super Rare. Awesome, man. Um, what Did he elaborate on that? Or was your professor just like, we need to murder the bankers and that's it. And that's where it stopped. <laughs> No, he, he, he would get into it. He was kind of like, like starting that day, he would just like read the headlines and kind of talk about what was happening. And 
he was mostly just telling us his opinions. Like, you know, I think I barely knew what a stock was at that point. So I didn't really totally understand what was going on, but I was fascinated. I was like, these are, I was studying engineering at the time, civil engineering. And I was like, well, if I built a bridge and it just collapsed one day, I would probably go to jail because, you know, you built this bridge, you said it was safe, it was not safe. And I was just fascinated by the idea that we could have this, you know, seemingly really important system just collapse. And it seemed like, you know, there were basically no repercussions. Uh, and that was just, I was like baffled. I was like, how is this possible? And so he, would, he was kind of like talking it through, you know, for the rest of the semester and just got pretty interested yeah. in everything that was happening. I think as it stands, the current repercussions are not only would you be able to build more bridges, but you'd get more money <laughs> to build more shitty bridges anywhere as you exactly. like. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. They're like, they're like, actually, you know, that other bridge is kind of small. Why don't you build one 10 times as large? And we'll yeah. see how that goes. We're going to need 10 times more people to fall when this bridge collapses. Go for it. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, bankers suck. But, you know, digital art, it fascinates me because, one, I, I had a personal project that I tried to breed art at one point uh, <laughs> at the height of Crypto Kitties. I thought, oh, nice. well, maybe I can breed art. And it sounded great. No, I wasn't high. I know you might think that I was, but I wasn't. I was actually sober. <laughs> and uh, I tried to breed art. And then when I finally did breed it, um, my uh, graphic designer at the time said that all it looked like I did was take one picture and then like throw it through some filters. And ah. I was like, no, that's two totally separate pictures. And I took the, the data <laughs> from the pictures and I, I melded them with an algorithm. And he was like, nope, just looks like you used the Instagram filter. And I was like, well, fuck you. So how about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this took me weeks to do. So anyways. Are, um, any of it up online still? Oh, no. It's, it was no. like, we took it down out of sheer embarrassment. It was this project called Artemir uh, that me Artemir. a host of the show worked on. But nevertheless, can you, so, so super rare. Let's let's get an introduction for the audience of what super rare is. Uh, they're they're I think they're pretty familiar with NFTs, non fungible tokens. At this point in the game, we've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, but super rare has a different approach to NFTs. So give us the full give us the one the four one on super rare. Sure. So super rare is a, a marketplace and social network built around uh, digital art and digital art collecting. Uh, so you can kind of think about it like, you know, if if Instagram and like, you know, I don't know, maybe Sotheby's or something came together and created something. Uh, so we, um, yeah, it's a it's a curated platform. So we have kind of have rolling artist applications. Uh, we have a curation team that reviews a couple of times a week and artists get whitelisted in the smart contract. And then once they're whitelisted, they're kind of free to to tokenize and mint NFTs uh, as they'd like. How do you like assure that an art piece is original? Like, yeah, so we we don't do uh, so. It's not like curating on the artwork level. It's basically just a lot of due diligence at the artist level. So you know, we kind of think about it like, you know, this is kind of a new evolving market. These people are our partners, and you know, we just 
we develop a relationship with all the artists. So like as part of the process, they send us a video introducing themselves, their art, um, you know, if they have a portfolio or other kind of social links. And then we actually have a call with everybody who comes on um, to further talk about just, you know, the community and the ecosystem and just to kind of explain things to make the, the onboarding process a little bit easier uh, for them. Awesome. So they, so they, up, they, they upload their art and, um, and then that gets, I guess, tokenized or. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So it's uh, in the token itself, you actually have a hash of the art file. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, they're linked together. But yeah, basically they upload the art uh, right now. That's all hosted in IPFS. And then um, they're actually the ones who mint the token. See, that's kind of one of the cool you know things you can see, like it came from their address. And so you can kind of, you know, look to see like, you know, which tokens is this specific address created. So it's all uh, linked back to the artist, um, which is actually a big deal in the art world. I don't know how the, Listeners will be familiar with the drama around art provenance, but um, it's actually super difficult to prove, you know, if a painting that's a hundred years old is actually created by Picasso or not. I'd imagine so, man, because I'm I'm just like thinking, like, what's to keep someone from like rolling the dice mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, Mona Lisa, I did that, and then tokenizing yeah. it, and it's like, come on now, for real, and like, if enough time goes by, hundreds of years go by, who's gonna, like, it'll just turn into a myth. So yeah. it'll be like, it, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Like, the other shit burned down, so we they have no record. But anyways, um. I, I'd, I'd imagine that is very difficult to, to pin down, but you guys actually do your diligence, like you said, assuring that everything is unique and coming from that artist. And then I guess at that point, if someone's going out of their way to full super rare, then I guess they can try like to, to show, you know, that, that, that they, if they're trying to bite someone's art, you know, just to, not beat around the bush they'd have to try yeah. pretty hard to fool you guys yeah and it's you know like people love talking about reputation systems and crypto and really complicated things uh i think one of the cool things about art is you know, like the reputation is one of the most important things you don't even need any kind of complicated systems there like all you know it's really a community so there's a lot of the artists know each other a lot of the collectors know each other and they kind of help, you know, everybody kind of helps keep each other honest, uh, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I guess if you're, if you're really good at fooling people. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you, that happens. Um, I guess I have a couple of friends that are artists and you know, their biggest problem is eating, you know, like, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to eat when you're an artist, you know, and how does this, you know, if I'm an artist, I'm not, but if I am and, uh, you know, I'm trying to make a living for myself. How does this solve any of the problems that I'm having with that? Yeah, so you like digital art in general's been a small subset of the contemporary art market. Um, I think just you know people don't feel you know people collect for different reasons, but um, you know when they do make a big purchase, 
people want to be sure they're getting something original and you know if they'd like to in the future be able to resell something and so i think that's kind of where the nfts come in and we really view this as sort of like a game changer for just digital art as a whole so like you know the crypto component is really cool but i think it unlocks like digital art is just like a much bigger kind of like type of new media that people will collect and that helps people eat because you're opening up the pool of you know collectors so before it was kind of like a very small set of really sophisticated people and now um you know you're kind of with nfts all this data is out there it's free on the blockchain to go look at and so it kind of opens up the confidence in the collector which then helps artists uh you know, buy sandwiches for lunch. True that. Would you say, so this is just like a basic art question because is something more valuable if it's held by less people or more valuable if it's held by more people? Or is it totally subjective? It depends who the people were who held it, I think uh, is a good question. So that's, uh, you know, like one of the early questions we were thinking about and like, you kind of see this in the, in the traditional art world, but like, like really well-respected collectors, um, you know, if they buy something and you're like, okay, well, you know, this is like Saatchi collected this piece beforehand. He's kind of like a well-known contemporary art collector. Yeah. First of all, the price of everything else for that artist might go up. And that piece in particular that he actually bought and owned, because he's now part of that like provenance record. It's kind of like part of the story and the history of the artwork uh, can also really affect the price. Mm. That's, but it that's could potentially go the other way too. You know, if you bought something and you're just an asshole and people <laughs> dislike you, uh, you know, it could have negative consequences as well. Yeah, I guess it's like if, if, I, I, if I have a painting that was chilling in Beyonce's living room it is now more valuable than <laughs> a painting exactly else. that's interesting to think about and it's it's always been so weird to me how art um comes to evaluation like I have no idea how there's actually people's professions they go and they look at a painting and they're like oh that's like five thousand bucks it's like what how how do you <laughs> how do you know that like this is anyways that's just me being ignorant i guess no um, i mean it's it is you know it's pretty subjective and i it's fascinating i think like the art market in general is pretty fascinating just the the construction of it and you know prices are pretty subjective it uh yeah it's super interesting it's um so how many i guess um is it is it is it highly active how many users are you guys getting in and like what's the growth looking like so far since you guys been getting after it yeah so right now we have about i'd say like seven thousand users on the platform so these are people who aren't necessarily buying art every month but they're you know looking at art appreciating things hanging out in the community and we actually just crossed uh 820 collectors uh last week so these are people who are actively collecting on the platform and uh you know, Cong- spending money on our congratulations man it's i know that has to be tough finding art collectors um especially yeah. specifically digital art collectors 
Yeah, I mean, it's been, it was, I'd say like the first year and a half was uh, really tough. I think like partially, you know, we launched in like April, 2018. So it was like right after CryptoKitties had first come out in the huge hype cycle. So I think there was like NFT fatigue almost. <laughs> and um, yeah, this past fall though, there was like, and I don't know if maybe we were just a little under the radar, but growth just started exploding. And uh, yeah, we actually just crossed over uh, $2 million in sales for the lifetime of the platform. Congrats. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah. And the majority of that's going straight into the, into the pockets of artists, which is super exciting. So that, that is like the exact question I was asking earlier. Like that helps artists eat. And that's, that's what's needed, I think. Um, I'm like, I'm a little optimistic. John, because I think that like, although on the outside, the world is literally going to shit, like, <laughs> it's hard to not walk too far and hear like, oh, cool. So there's another shitty thing that's going on in the world. Like, there's another thing. But I almost think that like, we might be on the cusp of like, another renaissance, just because so many things are happening at once. Um, and it's like, okay, if we go to war, like that's the last one because we got some shit, like there's some weapons out there. Um, or, (laughs) or the opposite of that is we kind of figure out how to live with these massive technological advancements we've had for the last century. And we get all this time back and we get re imagine or, or reconnect with humanity because all of a sudden, you know, we have robots that are doing 50% of the work and we have computer programs that are doing 50% of the mental lifting. So what else are you going to do but sit around and be human? Um, and I kind of think that maybe like the humanities are going to make a big comeback because like the last 60 years, of course, like science, technology and things like that have been taking the stage. But quite honestly, it's like, OK, well. We need to get re. We need to get back in touch with ourselves a little bit. And the only reason I'm going on this long tangent is just because, like, I see what social media is doing to people. I see with the internet, which is supposed to be this really awesome thing, is like, I I got neighbors I I barely even know them. Like, it's fucking wild to me. But <laughs> it's just we yeah. need to get like re. We need to get recalibrated to 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 humanity again. And so it's like, okay, it's if there's gonna if there's not gonna be a world war. There's definitely going to be a renaissance of sorts. And so I think platforms like yours kind of are way ahead of the curve if that does occur, you know? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I certainly hope we don't go to war and just blow ourselves up. Yeah, uh, there's, always, yeah. <laughs> there's always that risk. <laughs> <laughs> Can't rule it out, but assuming that doesn't happen, um, yeah, I, I do think it's exciting. Like people like to talk about the you know, creator economy. I'm not totally sure exactly what they mean, but like, I think we're part of that, you know, like building tools that help, uh, you know, people connect with one another and then also, you know, express themselves uh, in a creative way. And at the same time, you know, earn a living, not having to go to a nine to five, right? Like, I think that's uh, also part of humanity. I don't think we are designed to, to clock in and clock out for a 30 minute lunch, right? It's the, you know, um, I'm just, I feel kind of like, blessed to be working on super air and the fact that it is, you know, working so well right now and actually helping people, 
you know, all over the world is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And it, it, it helps me be optimistic as well. Cause you know, it can definitely be sad. You log into Twitter and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I don't even seriously happening. Like, I, don't even, <laughs> I, I can't handle too much Twitter these days. I'm just like, let me no. see what's okay. No more of that. Um, yeah. So let me, uh, what's the most expensive art piece that's been uh, traded in your market or, or sold on your market? And did you think it was worth that amount? Don't lie. You don't have to lie. You can be like, nah, that was, I don't even understand. <laughs> so yeah, one, uh, the most expensive piece I think was $16,000. Hot fuck. Yeah. I need to pick up and a paintbrush. You know what? I need to pick up a paintbrush. Oh, wait, no, yeah, this is digital. Go. I need to pick up a Microsoft Surface Pen and start there learning. Yeah, a, a stylus. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, me too, right? I was like, it's kind of ironic. I like built this, you know, art product. I haven't mm-hmm. even put any of my own art on it, but I was kind of felt like that was a weird uh, conflict of interest, right? Like, I'm like, you know, put my own art and want to get accused of uh yeah things like that but um was it worth it if you looked at that piece of art would you say that's definitely worth sixteen thousand dollars or would you say what was the person that spent sixteen thousand dollars on that thinking yeah i sort of i think it was because what I think is really interesting and like one of the things I don't think people really understand about just the art market. And like the only reason I started to understand this is because uh, our CTO, who's uh, my younger brother, worked at Artnet. Are, are you familiar with Artnet, the company? Uh, I've never heard of that. So, yeah, most, most people haven't. It's like there's actually this kind of obscure business that's just about selling data about art. So it's like, if you want to, if you want to know how many Picassos were sold last year and like, you know, what was the average price? You know, normally you just like go Google or something like that. But this is all, most of that data is totally proprietary and like people, like businesses like Artnet actually resell it. So you buy a, a subscription and you can run some queries and they kind of like aggregate. So they like have, you know, they talk to all the different galleries. They talk to all the art auction houses to aggregate all the data and then you can know stuff like this so it's like if you wanted to say like you know what's the fair price for this well i can go see what everybody else is paying and know you know like am i getting ripped off here or not um and one of the interesting things with nft art is a lot of that data is just being recorded right now in ethereum so you can like anybody can go look at it run a query on it and I think that's one thing that's really interesting, you know, especially with, you know, like markets, it's important to have good data market and be like, like if, for public markets, if you couldn't you know, get financials, for any of the businesses that are being traded, you'd be like, well, how do I know they're actually making any of that money? Is this just like a huge Ponzi scheme? Mm-hmm. And so I think with these NFTs, cause it's still so early, uh, they're just going to be history, you know, like 30 years from now, it's going to be like incredible history. Like there's like history in the making happening right now. Um, so if I could, I'd probably be spending, you know, money like that on art. Okay. 
Um, do you see? So I guess one of the things that is like would be a, like a, a common question that you face would be if it's digital, then when I buy this piece of art, what prevents me from just downloading it? And now there's a bajillion copies. Like, how do I preserve the rarity? Is that the token itself? And if it is the tokenized piece of art itself, then why would anyone still care if it's like, okay, well, I have this tokenized piece of digital art, but if I really, really wanted to just make copies of it, I could and spread it to whoever I wanted. Or yeah, can they? No, this, I it's, guess it's, it's like one of the classic questions for sure. Um, and I think like, like collecting technology is pretty fascinating too. Like I had, you know, growing up, I had Pokemon cards and magic cards and, Pogs, yeah, I don't know. Not dating myself, but like had all these things, and um, you know, you could use Pokemon cards as a game people play, but like, you know, I don't know how often I played. I probably played like five times. Like trading was like the thing to do with Pokemon cards. Like you know, growing up uh, on our street, there's all the kids getting together trading Pokemon cards, and so like you know with with digital art and art collecting, right? If you think about like, you know, an original Frida Kahlo or something, you know, there's, you know, like one of her more famous pieces, it's like, why is that worth, you know, I don't know, $15 million, let's say. Uh, because you could get high quality, you could have a high quality reproduction made for, you know, 5,000 bucks that you can put on your wall, but you don't have the original. So it's like, what is that thing that you're buying when you, when you buy the original? And so there's a lot of debate. Like some people are like, well, if you buy the original, you can destroy it. And so like, it's like, well, is the, is the value in the fact that you can destroy the object? Is that's what's valuable? Or is it, you know, you can hide it so nobody else could look at it. Um, but I think it's mostly not like, you don't buy it because you want to look at something nice on your wall. So there's like, when you start digging into the psychology, it's like, some strange, very human thing to want to have and collect these things. And so I think it's less about, you know, making it so even if there's like multiple copies of a specific file, because you can't actually recreate the token, the value lives in the token. And like, you're now part of the history, like you're part of the story of the piece of artwork. And so how valuable is it, you know, to be part of that story? Like, I think that's, um, you know, part of like a lot of people say, you're like, like, well, I could just make a hundred thousand copies and now I have a hundred thousand pieces of art. And you're like, yeah, but the token was actually digitally signed by the artist. So, you know, it's like, there is this object that was signed and you can only, you can't copy and paste that thing. So I think a lot of people have never really thought of it. And I, myself included, it wasn't having all these discussions where it's like, I've never thought so much about the psychology of why you might want to collect something. Uh, to begin with yeah yeah that's interesting it's almost goes down to like not just rarity but the type of rarity because there's lots of things that are rare uh but yeah you know you kind of really have to case by case look at how what type of rarity is that you know yeah so i guess we'll ask our trademark question and then we can wrap it up and that is in 10 words or less can you describe 
Blockchain. Ooh, this is a tough question. I'd say a secure shared store of information. Is it the six? Five words. Look at that. Well, I didn't wow. count A, like, but okay. A secure, that's six words. Still, either way, you knocked it out of the ballpark. What's the what's the best or what's your favorite answer? Maybe like your Ooh. favorite and then like what's the worst one you've ever heard? The worst one I've ever heard is easy. Hands down, Lil B, the rapper, said Bitcoin is the people. Uh Bitcoin. And Amazing. I said I said okay. All right. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. I, I, I fucked that up. He said Bitcoin is the people. Bitcoin is the streets. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, and what what number episode or oh, I'm gonna look up the little B episode. That was like was three or four years B. ago. Uh oh wow. Yeah, that was a while ago. And then um uh I can't tell you the best, but the best experience that I had asking that question was when I interviewed Lil Boosie. Uh and uh he was pretty high and his publicist was right next to him during the interview. And when I asked him, you know, in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain? And he couldn't say anything, but his publicist was like whispering like keywords in his ear. He was like, Amazing. Say, say, say distributed, say decentralized, say freedom. <laughs> and I was like, are they serious right now? And I was like, that's probably the best experience that, I've had amazing. Um, I love that. I, I guess the best answer is probably like uh, for for at least for Bitcoin people who tend to say like uh, money of the future, which is a pretty straightforward answer. And yeah, for blockchain, I think the best. Oh, there was another answer that was like blockchain is like toilet paper. Uh, you don't. It, what did he say? I don't even know if you. I I can't even. I feel like I'm gonna bastardize it, but he was like. You don't know you need it until you do, and something like amazing. I don't know. You know, that's a pretty so, good one. Yeah, and that that I thought that was pretty neat. That one was like two months ago, so that was pretty recent. Okay, but I'll try uh, to dig it up. Oh wait, this is a perfect. I've been told I'm bad at promoting myself. Yeah, we have all these answers, audience, in a book, and you can buy that book on Amazon. So <laughs> there you go. I should. What's, what's the title of the book? Uh, in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin, Ethereum, or blockchain? And we collected like 200 responses and put them in a book. I love it. So everyone from uh, porn stars to CEOs and founders and uh, farmers, like everybody had their own answer to it. It's a pretty good uh, coffee table book. Quick read. But anyways, hey, enough of plugging our stuff. Tell everyone where they can find Super Rare and how they can be involved and how they can even put their own art on the Super Rare. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody come check out superrare.co. Um, if you're interested in getting your art up on there, we've got an application, artist application link on the homepage. And just scroll down towards the bottom. Uh, on Twitter, superrare underscore co. And... Also, come hang out in the Discord. So it's also linked on the website. Uh, you know, we're just 
hanging out, talking about art, all the craziness. Um, yeah, I know you're sitting at home, stuck inside, so might as well go appreciate some art. I like you, man. Well, John Crane, thank you for stopping by. And uh, yeah, man, uh, wish you even more success. And I really hope my, our, my vision of a renaissance helps your uh, project. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes that way. I really do hope it goes that way. Me too. And uh, thanks for having me, D. Appreciate uh, being on here. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Hope to do it again. And we're back, baby. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I hope it was super rare. I know it was super rare. Uh, John, thanks for coming by. Thanks for, you know, thanks for philosophizing with me about a potential new renaissance, a much needed renaissance, if you will. Jesse, are you familiar with renaissances? Uh, yeah. How do you like them? I mean, they're all right in terms of the art that they produce. Do you think that people know they're in a renaissance when they're in a renaissance or they're just living their life? Living their life. Yeah, me too. I don't think it's like one of those like, we're renaissancing it up in this bitch, baby. Like everybody's walking around like, look how renaissance we are. I don't think it's like that. I think it's pretty like everybody's just living, you know, living elevated. I think there's going to be another one soon. I can't wait. I hope there's another one. That's what it is. <laughs> anyway. There's another one. Yeah, yeah, man. The world's getting so shitty so fast. I like, man, we, we really got to turn the like corner that, here. We got, we got, got to turn the corner. That got dark. Like, yeah. <laughs> I really hope there's another one. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it's hard to like, you turn on the internet for a second and that's funny because like it used to be turned on the TV, but now it's turned on the internet. You turn on the internet for a second, and it's like, holy shit, man! This world is going wild, and you just got to turn it off and cleanse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to turn it off and like go walk and shit, and like, like, oh my god, it's getting wild out there. So I really hope there's another Renaissance soon. So, but anyways, um, enough about that. What did you do in crypto this week, man? Like, is there anything that you saw and you were like, oh, my God, it's awesome. Yeah, I did. What's that? Projects that I invested in and kept learning about. All right. Hashtag no investment advice. What projects are those? Hashtag the good ones. (laughs) What are they? Huh? What are are they? You know what I'm saying? You want me to actually tell you? I mean, yeah. Oh no no, no well, you don't have maybe, to you don't have to you don't have to do that yeah 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 it's okay yeah yeah <laughs> you, you gotta do that well anyways I'm excited about the future projects out there there are some pretty good like, projects so so there are some pretty good projects in terms of ones that have potentially the ability to with wrappers and with a little bit of centralization magic and a little bit of decentralization where it should go i think there are some projects out there that can speed up this whole thing in terms of having extremely fast throughput at layer one and then also having stateful and stateless sorts of mechanisms are you gonna tell me what those projects are i want to be on the 
I want to be on the bandwagon, bro. <laughs> I'll tell you about it after. All right. Ha-ha. You guys want to know what those are? You got to join the Slack, baby. They go to the BitcoinPodcast.com and join the Slack. If you go to the BitcoinPodcast.network, you don't get to see anything because Corey doesn't pay the bills. So, um, I don't know, man. There's there's so much happening that it's it's really hard to nail in on certain things. Certain things I thought were exciting were the Lightning Network. Um, you could do offline payments with the Lightning Network now, which is kind of cool because you could always do offline payments with Bitcoin, always 100% of the time. Um, it just was never easy. And that's not that doing it with Lightning Network is easy, but it's neat that it can be someday if people keep iterating on that, which essentially makes, you know, like I said, fiat operating on crypto rails a reality. Um, yeah. You know, um, some other news. So so you guys are kind of interested and maybe you can look into this yourselves is, you know, Fidelity, one of the largest like stock uh I guess management firms. What would you call Fidelity? They do insurance. They do finance. Lots, lots of finance. Yeah, they do finance. They're like a they're a money powerhouse. Like Fidelity like is six point. They manage like six point two or six point something trillion in assets. God, Lee, that's a lot of money. Well, nevertheless, uh, Fidelity is releasing a fund, a Bitcoin fund, and the minimum investment is twenty five thousand dollars. And they will manage that for you as a custodian. So, I mean, I guess, Jesse, the the weirdest thing for me every week and is hard to in a world where you were right. It's hard to find things to continue (laughs) to, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to find things to continue in a world where you were right. It's it's hard to find things to continue, like uh, seeing like, oh, this is going to be that next hot shit. Because it's like, yeah. well, I, I called all the next hot shit and it's here and it's happening. So it's like, yeah. fuck. Uh, what do but we look into working. next? It's happening, but it's not working. Yeah, but and it's going just, to. They're trying to absorb it. Like Visa is yeah. trying to absorb Ethereum or, in, or or like, you know, international banking is trying to absorb Ethereum for SWIFT. Like Fidelity is trying to hop, get in the bandwagon by saying, well, manage your Bitcoin shit. So they so they can get an indirect slice of Bitcoin. Like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> China's yeah. gonna be launching their own shit. Yeah, China's gonna launch their own shit, but good luck with that, China. Good luck with that, China. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? So one of these shits is actually actually gonna work, and I don't think people realize it yet. But like one of them is actually probably gonna work. Well, they they work. They just don't at the same time. No, no, I mean like fast, like work fast. In a decentralized way, yeah, one of them is going to have everything that you want. It's going to be Wi-Fi, Ethereum, Bitcoin, all wrapped into one, like actually usable transactions. Yeah, but what do you call it? And it's going to have to what be. It's, I bet it? you it's going to be a government thing too. It yeah, it probably will be co-opted by a government no such yeah. thing as uh science without um military funding you can't spell science without military funding yeah that's the old saying and it's really fucking true too because like almost everything we have in our lives was like the military trying to build a weapon so like the microwave gps 
Cotton candy. Cotton <laughs> candy. I just fucking threw that in there. Cotton candy was because they were trying to create a cheap and lightweight portable version to to uh, um, expense, not expense, but um, uh, get put a lot of sugar into a soldier system so the soldier could uh, be all amped, you know. Be what, really? Amped up, be amped the fuck you're just, up. You're just, you're just making this shit up. <laughs> no, I'm not. All right, I'm gonna fucking Google that. <laughs> Google it. Sometimes Cotton the internet. Candy not, milk. Does, sometimes the internet's not gonna tell you the truth. <laughs> the internet's not gonna tell you the truth. What did it say? What, what did it say? <laughs> I'm getting a hit. Oh, cotton candy was invented by a dentist. No, it wasn't. That's a lie. That dentist had to work yeah. in the military. Why? How? It very floss. They took it to the St. Louis World's Fair. They were saying that cotton candy actually contains less sugar than other carnival treats like candy apples and funnel cakes. Interesting. Mm, that's so the story that they want you to know. Who, who, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, sure it is. But I like your, your explanation about the military and making it more convenient for soldiers to transport their glucose supply. Because <laughs> my story is true. <laughs> this dentist shit is a fucking conspiracy. I'm telling you. <laughs> Sorry. I've been watching some conspiracy theory stuff lately and I'm kind of in it. I'm never going to say the earth is flat, though. If I, In fact, if I see a flat earther, I might kick him in the nuts. Big facts. Why? Because they're taking us backwards, bro. And I can't stand that. Like, we're working so hard to be on, like, to be, like, Star Trek level. Like, we're getting, we're working so hard to get there. And then fuckers like them are like, yeah, the Earth's still flat. Like, I don't believe thousands of years of science just because I can. Just because I have the right to not believe. It's like, bro, I want to jettison you to the sun. And then you, while you're looking backwards, about to get zapped, look at the earth and tell me if it's flat or not. That's what I want to do. That's very yeah, graphic. That's very graphic and mean, you know, but it's had enough, Jesse. You've had a fuck enough of these flat earthers. <laughs> no kidding. That's not, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be that kind of episode. Um, so, all right, let's wrap this shit up. So Bitcoin growing slow, DeFi going bananas. I'm going to give it a shot. And then I'm going to tell you guys next week how I, how I lost all my money. And then <laughs> <laughs> can you can you make it like visible? Just like I'm putting in a thousand and then like 150 to cover the gas expenses going in. And then when you pull it out, you might not even have enough money to have pay for the gas expenses coming back out. What would be funny is if I like put in a thousand and I and I come up like thirty thousand dollars on top in like a week. I will laugh. I will and I'll laugh. be like. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I'm now a DeFi bro overnight. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Hey, go check out super rare. If you're a digital artist, you should put your digital art on super rares network and try and tokenize it. So this way you can confirm at least the providence of your digital art, uh, by means of the, Super rare network. So, 
Shout out to Zoe Saldana. Do you want to give any shout outs, bro? No, I don't give it. Not yet. Maybe one day. Okay. I can dig him. Shout out to Zazi Beats. Um, I don't think there's any. Oh, shout out to Michelle Obama, of course. Uh, Wait, why Michelle Obama? <laughs> what do you mean, why Michelle Obama? Have you seen those arms, bro? No, I haven't. No disrespect, but have you seen those arms? No, I haven't. Take a gander. <laughs> Take a gander, my friend. Uh, play the outro. Mm-hmm.